gospel, as many of you know, is the foundation for all that God wants to do in and through the world. And um, it's good news for us. It's good news for you, right? Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can know God and be in a relationship with him. Uh, so that's why we want to start with the gospel. However, you know, even though uh, we're starting with the gospel there, in my 15 years of ministry experience, uh, most people don't know what the gospel is, right? Most people don't know, at least in Raleigh. You know, I did college ministry for six years, been at Vintage for five and uh, most people, if you ask them to explain what the basic message of the Bible is, they have no clue. Um, they might point to things like being made right with God to being a better person uh, than their coworkers or their friends, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, they might say that uh, they cuss less, drink less, or treat people better than the average person in Raleigh, and those are the reasons that uh, they'll go to heaven or be with God forever. You know, I like to ask uh, when we're, I'm sharing with folks, you know, if you were to die tonight and you stood before God, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And uh, I always say, if the person answers that question with I at the beginning, then they don't understand the gospel. Right, I am a good person. I volunteer at Raleigh Rescue. I give a lot of my money away. Uh, in addition, though, to, I'm not just picking on doubters and seekers in our city. In addition to that, though, I think I, myself, um, many churches in Raleigh, and many other followers of Jesus, we can forget the gospel, right? And uh, slip back into thinking, that we have to earn our place before God. We have to earn our right to be in his family. And uh, that's just not the gospel. And I want to remind us of that. I want to remind my own heart of that uh, and yours as well. Or more simply put uh, tonight, I want to remind us of the answer to the question, what makes us right with God? Uh, what reconciles us to God? Or uh, better said, uh, why does God approve of me? You know, as I was thinking, I'm tr trying to figure out how to weave in illustrations all the time, right? Because that's all y'all ever remember from sermons, right? You never remember what texts we're in or anything. It's, it's all the stories. So it was 10.22 last night. I was feeding Ever right before hopefully he sleeps for uh, eight hours, Lord willing. And this illustration came to mind. So I, I give that uh, as a precursor to I have no idea if this was the bottle talking or a good illustration. But um, uh, different bottle, Drew. Uh, the, the bottle of Ever, not uh, whiskey. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. That's helpful. Um, he like shook his head at me. Uh, all right, so I'm sitting there feeding Ever, and um, I am reminded that I didn't do my Duolingo for the day. Now, if y'all don't do Duolingo, this is going to sound like uh, a humble brag, and I'm really sorry, but this is the illustration. When you start Duolingo, this is what happens. All right, so the little owl, he looks like, if you do it, make it a widget, and it's going to be like, he's happy. You started the day with a clean slate. But as the day goes on, anybody else doing Duolingo? I know Michael was. All right. As the day goes on, yeah, as the day goes on, what happens to his face, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one's this, right? And then, and then if you don't do, there, there's actually one before that that's crying. I should have put that one in there too. I was later in the day at 10.22. I guess he gets mad after 10. But, but anyway, so there's this. So he's mad at you. You ain't practiced Spanish today. Why haven't you practiced Spanish? You better practice Spanish. Or I don't know if it's supposed to be the fiery depths of hell behind him <laughs> or what that is. But it's like you need to repent and do your Duolingo for the day. And then, so I've done 357 days in a row. That's the humble brag. Now, as soon as you do it, this is what happens. <laughs> You're in heaven. You've accomplished it, right? You get the number, you get the dopamine, and then the divine owl is happy that you have performed your duty. Now, this is a silly example. But sometimes people think of God like that, right? You start the day with a clean slate. I've got some commands that I want you to do. And if you don't do them, I'll be really mad. I'm going to show you actually in the background a little picture of hell. And then as soon as you obey, 
It's, it's blue behind me. I'm singing tunes. I don't know what's coming out of his mouth, right? Um, and that's what I want to beat out of my heart and beat out of your heart and also hold out to doubters and seekers and followers, right? That uh, we are not saved by our obedience, right? We are saved by Jesus Christ, uh, his perfect life and desert, uh, death and resurrection for us. And that's exactly what Paul intended uh, to communicate in Philippians 3, 1 to 9. So if you have a Bible or your phone, we'd love for you to turn there. Now, God knows we will not cover everything there is to cover in these nine passages, uh, or nine passages, uh, nine verses. Don't worry, we're not doing nine passages. But I did want to at least um, cover a couple things. All right, I'm going to read it real quick. Uh, Philippians 3, 1 to 6. I'm going to grab this. The uh, divine owl got me a little thirsty. Um, all right, Philippians uh, 3, 1 to 6. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write, the same, uh, to, write again, to write you again about this is no trouble for me. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evildoers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we're the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus. And we do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then Paul brags a little bit. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of ben- Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding to the law of Pharisee, regarding to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and regarding righteousness uh, as in the law, blameless. Right, so Paul begins verse 1 by telling the Philippians that he's writing the same things to them or uh, simply reminding them of an essential truth of Christianity, which is this. Trust in Christ alone is how all of us in this room have been reconciled to God. It is through faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and nothing else. And then in verse 2, if you look back at your Bibles, you'll see Paul warn the Philippians with three commands. I wonder if you called it. Right? Anything in the Bible that's repeated over and over again, you know that Paul's, or the writer's trying to communicate in some, something important. He says, watch out, watch out, watch out. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evildoers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. And in this uh, short passage, he's simply warning the Philippians right, to watch out for this group of people um, in the context of the passage called Judaizers. Uh, there, there are individuals that taught that Gentiles or non-Jews must first become Jews to be the people of God, to be saved, right? And, and uh, Paul passionately taught against this, right? He, he says, watch out for these folks who would add anything to faith and trust in Jesus as a prerequisite to being adopted into the family of God. And he makes this clear in verse uh, 3 where he says, we're the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God and boast in Jesus Christ, and look at this, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Now, not putting confidence in the flesh is simple, right? I'm not putting confidence in me. And that's what Paul wants for all of us. Paul wanted the Philippians to not put confidence in their flesh, that is themselves, and point to Jesus, 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 and Jesus alone as the only reason that they are in God's family. And then in verse 4, though, Paul does this fun thing where, hypothetically, he says, if anybody could be safe, if anybody has what it takes, to get to heaven on their own accord, to be saved on their own accord, it is me. And then in verse 5 and 6, he, he lists uh, his resume, right? He lists mul- multiple unstable places that we can place our hope in besides Jesus. In the same way, you and I can do this, right? We can place our trust uh, in, uh, or confidence rather, in several things besides Christ. You know, Paul lists seven uh, things in this short passage. I encourage you to do some homework and, and read it more, but um, I'm going to group them into three for brevity. Ritual. Family or heritage, ritual, family, and heritage. And these are all ways that uh, Judaizers were teaching that someone could merit or earn their own salvation before God. You know, uh, theologians call these types of uh, self-salvations systems or um, uh, self-salvation systems legalistic 
or legalism. And legalism is simply uh, where one tries to save themselves through their own religious performance, right? Um, or their own uh, moral record, right? And, and legalism is the view that we can put God in our debt uh, through our religious performance or our moral record. Uh, one pastor notes this. I love how he says it. He says, legalism stems from the belief that we will have to pry God's blessing out of his unwilling and begrudging fingers through all sorts of observances and performances. And Paul points to a couple of ways that we can pry, a couple of things that we might be tempted to earn our own salvation. The first is in verse 5. Look back at your Bibles, or it's on the screen. Paul says that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, the Jews, uh, being circumcised was simply an external sign that you were in the family of God. Right? This was according to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3, that said that every baby boy should be uh, circumcised on the eighth day. And Paul is saying that he did this and that he has been a part of God's chosen family since day one. Right? He, he wasn't a late convert. He's been in Jesus' team, uh, in God's true family since day one. And um, these, this group of people, the Judaizers, they trusted in this ritual of circumcision for the means by which they would be saved. So they, they might say, I am reconciled to God, and one of the evidences of that is that I've uh, been uh, circumcised. So uh, what are some things that, or some rituals, rather, that people think might reconcile them to God in 2023? What do you think? Well, this is one of the reasons I think God's word is so re relevant, because it's timeless, right? There's all kinds of rituals that people point to. You know, come hang out in my office for 12 months and just listen to story after story of um, where pe people put their confidence. That's not Jesus. A couple examples. Uh, you may have got baptized as a child and think that's the reason that you're saved. You may have prayed, prayed a prayer at a camp, and that's the reason that you're saved. You may have went through confirmation uh, through any form of denomination, and you think that's why you're reconciled to God. You know, I have close friends, uh, close fam family members who... If I ask them, why, why do you think you'll go to heaven? They'll say, well, I prayed a prayer at a camp one time 33 years ago, and that's where my assurance lies. Now, let me be clear. If any of these rituals or experiences are moments where you truly place your faith and trust in Christ, that is a ritual where you grabbed hold of Jesus Christ. And that's not something you should reject, right? When I was 16 years old at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp, I heard the gospel, and I uh, uh, prayed a prayer to receive Christ with a um, defensive lineman from Garner Webb, right? And I think that is the moment that I came to faith and trust in Christ. So it's not a bad thing if that's where you actually received Christ. However, if you believe that you're saved because of that ritual, or you believe that you'll be saved because you got baptized, uh, or you believe that you'll be saved and spend eternity with Jesus because you went through confirmation, then you're putting confidence in your flesh. And that's not what Paul wants you to do, right? So he, the first thing he argues is that a ritual can't reconcile you to God. Secondly, your family can't. Reconcile you to God. Look back at verse 5. He says that he is of the people of Israel, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, and he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And this is simply uh, individuals who trust in their heritage or their family as the means through which they're reconciled to God. So the point here is that no one is born a child of God, right? No one is born inside of God's family. No one is born a Christian or a follower of Jesus. You know, this is why anytime I'm meeting with someone and they might say, like, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. There's a moment in my you know, mind where I'm like, I'm not quite sure that they understand the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean they're not a believer. They may just need some you know, help theologically. But uh, there was a time where you did not know Jesus, and you came to faith and trust in Christ. There was a time where you were outside the family of God, and God adopted you into uh, the family of God, even if that's been for a really long time. So what today, 2023, what might it look like for us to trust in our family or our heritage 
as the means through which we're reconciled to God. Well, there's tons of uh, examples of this. I was raised in a Christian family. My dad was a deacon. You know, uh, my, my mom took me to church every week. And um, I want to be clear, right? Having believing parents or family members is a great blessing uh, and something that we should cherish. It's a massive privilege. You know, uh, three amazing women, I'll never forget them. Uh, Pam Petrie, Jackie Kaiser, and uh, Sandra Holloway are the three rock stars of my personal testimony of how I came to faith and trust in Jesus. Those three women taught me the Bible from zero to seven every Sunday, right, in uh, RAs and GAs. I mean, it was kind of a long, long time ago. But we, and we had to do them together because our church was so small. But, but anyway, those women were great blessings for me. However, those three women uh, aren't the reason that I'm a follower of Jesus, right? Their faith can't save me. Or as one uh, theologian famously said, I love this, John Stott, he says, God has no grandchildren, only children. God has no grandchildren, only children. So ritual can't save us. Family can't save us. Uh, thirdly, what about morality? Look back at verses 5 and 6. Uh, regarding the law, Paul says he's a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, a persecutor of the church. Regarding righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Yeah, Paul says he was zealous, a blameless and righteous religious leader. Right? And Paul was known for strictly obeying the Old Testament law. You know, before following Jesus, um, Paul had taken the commands of God in the Old Testament and added his own traditions to them, uh, to the point where they got 613 things that they were going to do or not do, and that was the means through which uh, their assurance with their relationship with God was secure. They thought that God loved them because they obeyed all kinds of external rules and re regulations, many of those that they just made up on their own, right? And this false confidence, in my opinion, salvation through morality, is the most prevalent false system of uh, salvation in America, especially in the South. Um, this could be called uh, cultural Christianity. It could be called what one, uh, one author calls it um, uh, quaint moralism of the South. I, I love that, quaint moralism of the South. And people who believe in quaint moralism of the, of the South, they believe a made-up set of rules and regulations that they believe make them right with God. So for a couple examples, uh, a quaint moralist of the, of the South never watches Harry Potter, and they think that that is the reason that they're on Team Jesus, right? Uh, they, they might give 10% of their income away, However, it's because they are terrified that God will smite them if they don't. It's not because they love Jesus and want to honor him with uh, their lives, right? Uh, they believe in the mantra of the South that I learned from a man a long time ago, which is, I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do, right? And that is the reason why they're God's people, because of their obedience, because of their morality. And the biggest problem with this, in my limited you know, and humble opinion, uh, this group of people is religious, but they're not repentant. Right? And often, they look really great internally, but the, sometimes they can be completely and radically different. Uh, or sorry, they look really great externally, forgive me. Uh, but internally, they're just jacked up. Or when nobody's uh, watching, right? they're completely different people. And that's because they're not new people. They're not new creations that Jesus uh, provides. And ultimately, they believe that their obedience is what's going to save them. And I share all this to say at King's Table Church, we will only teach right, that Jesus' work is what reconciles us to the Father, right? Not ours. You know, if you've been around me at all for any uh, amount of time, I quote Tim Keller about every other nine seconds, and I'm really sorry for that. Uh, never listen to his sermons before you listen to my sermons. I feel really bad. You'll probably want to leave, and that's okay. But one thing that I learned from Tim Keller as a young man reading all of his books uh, in college is this little chart. He says, every world religion says, I obey God, therefore I am accepted by him. And that is certainly what I learned uh, growing up uh, in the South, my exposure to Christianity. But he says, and the scriptures teach clearly. It's not, not just Tim Keller. It's uh, Jesus and Paul and Peter, uh, Old Testament, Genesis Revelation, right? 
is that we are freely accepted in Christ. And then do we still obey? Absolutely. But our uh, motives for doing so are completely different. We don't obey God in order to get something from him. Uh, we obey him because he's given us everything in uh, Christ. So at King's Table Church, we're going to proclaim these truths. No ritual is going to reconcile you to God. Your family can't reconcile you to God. And your morality can't reconcile you to God. But Jesus can. That's exactly how Paul ends in verses 7 to 9 where he says, But everything was a gain to me. Listen, this is like one of the most beautiful passages of the Scripture. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is uh, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. As we conclude, Paul reminds the Philippians, friends, there's one safe place to find our assurance, to find our salvation, and that is in Christ, right? Paul says that we should repent and turn from trusting in our work to reconcile us to God, but instead trust in Jesus' work. Uh, to reconcile us, right? He calls us uh, to repent completely of ritual, heritage, family, and morality, punt all that stuff, and call it dung, which a fun thing about dung, it's a curse word in the Greek, right? He calls it a bad word. And that's how Paul wants you to see uh, works-based righteousness, especially in comparison to knowing and walking with Jesus. And look at verse 9. I love every word of the Bible uh, matters, right? Paul says, I want to be found in him. I want to be found in him. He doesn't say, I want to be found in Paul or Jacob or Connor or Dawson, right? I want to be found in Christ. And Paul is uh, saying that uh, he wants to be found in Jesus because Jesus' works are perfect and Paul's are broken and imperfect, right? And fickle. You know, on my best day, I cannot perfectly obey God. I haven't today, my dear friends, and neither of you. But I love this quote uh, from Jerry Bridges. He says this, On your worst days, you're never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. And that is the gospel, right? Look, looking back in verse 9, he says, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes uh, from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And look at that, the righteousness from God, right? From God. It is a gift. Or more simply put, Paul is beating home the truth that salvation is a gift from God that is received, not achieved. Right? It, it is something that is given to us, not earned by our obedience. You know, one thing, I, I, I uh, repeat myself a lot, and that's okay, because, um, you know, the more I repeat myself, it's better to keep uh, truth continually in your minds. But one of my favorite quotes, you'll hear me say like 300 more times, and I'm sorry ahead of time, is uh, from Martin Luther. He says, Most necessary is it, therefore, that we know this article well, that we're saved by grace alone, teach it unto others, and beat it into their head continually. And my heart needs that, and yours does too, because I'm a recovering legalist. And so are many of us. Uh, we need to remind ourselves that salvation is a, a free gift. And at King's Table Church, you will hear me preach one central truth, and that is Jesus Christ is the hero. Right? Jesus has done all the work necessary to reconcile you to himself. And now, by grace and grace alone, we get to walk with God and trust him and love him and li live for him and plant churches that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples so that we can tell people where we work, play, and live about the glory and fame and beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's done it all. And all you have to do is receive and trust in him. And if I ever stray from that simple gospel message, leave. Let go. Let me go. Right? Get out of Dodge. 
because that is the central uh, truth uh, of Christianity. And that is what we're going to preach uh, until Jesus comes back um, where he calls me home. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is this. Uh, sometimes the longer we've been a Christian, this isn't in my notes, and I intentionally uh, said I'm not even going to write notes for this because I want to just like truly, truly talk. Sometimes like the longer we've been followers of Jesus, it kind of gets dry, right? And it's like, what does it look like for us as a body to never lose the all? It's nuts what we believe. We believe that all of us have access to the eternal creator of the universe. That's wild. Like, you can talk to him right now. Like, you can, Lord, I pray he would stop preaching. You know, or like whatever you want to say. Like, and, he, and, he, and the scriptures say he will hear you. Like, that is radically and unbelievably nuts. And one of my favorite things about seeing new people follow Jesus, especially if they're like maybe in their mid-20s, you know, mid-30s, I mean, just an adult, is how blown away they are by that. It's like, they're telling everybody about Christ. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. Yeah, I should probably tell a couple of people about that, you know. And it kind of wakes me up. And I wonder what it looks like for us as a new church to be re-amazed by what God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So uh, I'm going to pray. And then uh, we got something really cool uh, next that I want to share with you. Yeah. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you that we can know you and walk with you and trust you and cherish you. And God, I pray that we would never lose our all, that we would never forget about what you've done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, in this room tonight, I'm sure there's someone coming in here, and they might imagine that you are frowning on them uh, because of something that they might have said even on the way over here. And Father, we certainly want to obey you and live lives of repentance and faith. However, help us remember that you're always smiling down on us because your approval is not based on us, but on what Christ has done for us. And he has forgiven us of all of our past sins, all of our present sins, all of our future sins. And Lord, I pray that that truth would lead us not to take advantage of grace and to live life apart from you, but would just blow us away radically and make us uh, want to obey you in every single moment of our lives. Lord, help me lead uh, in that area when nobody's watching. For the glory and fame of Jesus, in Christ's name, amen.